Hey guys, welcome to this fortnight's episode of the Crypto Catch Up. You got myself, Pav, and with me, special guests from last week again. Not so special anymore, mate. You're a regular. This is Chris <laughs> Justice. How you doing? Good, mate. Good. Glad to be back. Either uh, added some value or I'm a bad smell you can't get rid of. But uh, hey, maybe it's bitter column A, bitter column B. That's how I got to be here. So that's <laughs> all that matters. I'll take uh, it. But look, we need someone to break the markets apart because there's a bit happening, but there's not much happening. So take of that what you will. But a couple of points we'll dive in today. A lot of people may not be familiar with, but the father of DeFi, Mr. Andre Cronje, says he's backing Phantom. So we'll sort of break that down a little bit. What's this one, Chris? Is it Micah? M-I-C-A? Yeah, Micah. 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 We're Australian. We'll just, we'll just call it something. All right. And what are they? Are they like the regulatory body in the UK? Yeah. Well, it's the proposed legislation for Europe to classify crypto assets. And that has now passed the final committee stage and is before parliament. So it's looking like it'll pass soon. We'll break that down as well. And then lastly, we've got the latest in as much as we had to keep talking about the FTX contagion, BlockFi, who recently filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy. But before we dive into all of that, be good to just get your temperature check on how you're feeling about the markets. How am I feeling thinking? about the markets? I, I'm i probably like lukewarm. Another lukewarm. hot. Not- no, you used that last time, I remember. Well, you can't just, you can't do lukewarm again. <laughs> I'm, no, you uh, can if you want. I am currently pausing my robot vacuum that decided to start right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to be really noisy. I'm just going to send that bad boy back to the dog. There we go. <laughs> How am I feeling about the markets? Yeah, lukewarm. Other hot, no cold. It's just waiting. Just waiting. Yeah, there's a couple of little things happening, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a quiet week in comparison to the last two. I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's kind of like the spills keep sort of dribbling out from the FTX sort of saga, but. We're not really seeing price react as negatively as we did, I guess, on the onset, which, I mean, if we're, we're dipping lower or not, not as, not as hard. I guess that's kind of, I don't know, take that for what you will, but it's <laughs> hopefully a positive sign that this might be some sort of local bottom, but who knows? That's true. I mean, we did see, we did see with the BlockFi bankruptcy announcement, they said they sold mm. 240 million of their supposed own assets oh, into wow. the market. We saw the wrapped grayscale Bitcoin lose peg and drop down to, I think, 92% of Bitcoin's worth, and that got eaten back up. So there's some real positive signs that there are, you know, whales or people out there with funds who are buying in and kind of keeping the price steady and looking to grab those bargains. So that's a positive. Yeah. And I think everyone's might have seen it. Like if you have been starting to pay a bit of attention back into the markets, you're seeing just random coins just running one to fifteen thousand percent it's pretty much exactly that same narrative right like low 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 caps that people have been sort of slowly accumulating and what everyone's at that point is perceiving a sort of localized bottom and then you know a lot of these things once they run out of people selling they just absolutely take off so pretty hallmark i remember to a little bit of late 2020 even like prior to DeFi summer back in 2019 like we had pretty similar price action um but i mean i'm not sort of calling it that this is it but i mean when you see things just skyrocketing once a week up three four hundred percent it's a bit of a cheerier mood than what we were looking at i guess two months ago and even two weeks ago really yeah yeah that's definitely it and i think it's starting to to settle in for people as well that you know assets that are locked up as part of bankruptcy that you were mentioning before we jumped onto this chat that yeah they're they're not going to get sold into the market for quite some time i think we still 
we're still weeks away from even Celsius getting settled and what happens with those assets. A couple of lawyers got their hands full for quite some time, would it be safe to say? But yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, an old mate who uh, who scammed Silk Road way back in the day, getting oh, yeah. his assets taken. Was it like fifty thousand Bitcoin by Jeez. by the U.S. government now? So all he of got it back, did he? No, no, no. Well, the the U.S. government now holds it. Holy moly! Yeah, his house Jeez. got broken into. He called the police. They looked. They found this. They saw the bitcoins, traced it on the blockchain. They're like, ah, uh, you stole this from Silk Road. And Silk Road was obviously a, a big no-no for the, <laughs> the authorities, so they just took, you know, thousands of bitcoins off this guy. And yeah, as we know, these are all sitting locked up and not being sold into the market for now. So it's a good sign. Jeez. Wow, could never do that with cash. That's amazing. <laughs> Props to blockchain. Props to blockchain. <laughs> now I've got a pretty similar sentiment. Like it's, it, I don't know. For me, it's like lukewarm. But I feel like, again, personal take, I feel like the temperature is starting to rise a little bit, especially Bitcoin just really sitting snugly, especially this week or the last three weeks on the um, 2017 highs. I don't know. I just personally think if we're going to see a dive lower, we would have seen it, you know, with all of the block fire, even, you know, today and the grayscale news and everything else that's been coming out, just creating quite a bit of FUD. Like, it feels like a lot of that sell side pressure might be exhausted, potentially. Like, obviously, it's not something you'll know we'll be able to confirm until you know, weeks from now. But in terms of price holding, this is hallmark really. Like when you see Bitcoin consolidate go sideways, even if it isn't a downtrend, you do see all that money flow into altcoins. And that's basically what we're seeing, I guess, a little bit now as we talked about a little bit earlier. But I mean, for me, it just, I'm not involved with even 1% of these coins, but it's just nice to sit on the sideline and just see some big green candles. Um, it's not, not a bad thing to look at. But yeah, hopefully, you know, Christmas, you can only assume things get quiet or, you know, maybe the opposite happens. Who knows? That'd be nice as well. But um, yeah, I know the next big thing to look forward to really is the, in terms of like the key market event is the FOMC, which is the middle of December, I believe, with this one. So I know historically two to three weeks out from the FOMC, like there has been a bit of elation in markets previously. The meeting minutes that came out, like this is how ridiculous that things get right now. It's not even about what was the inflation rate. It was what language did they use when they were talking about the inflation rate. Like that's, this is welcome to finance. This uh, basically came out saying that uh, most officials believe that the extent of the rate hikes probably have been seen and that we wouldn't see as a steep of a move moving into the new year. So I wonder if that really does sort of bode well for the risk on asset classes. Like we've seen the stock market rally, crypto going the other way, thanks to FTX uh, and that whole saga. So I don't know if you commentators socially are dubbing this as the catch-up rally potentially. So only just to catch up to where the equities really have sort of gained since the markets have moved in the other direction there. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, I think, just the, the end of the year. It's been quite a year, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it to finish quietly uh, one way or another. No, you're right. I think the um, the prevailing theme that we're starting to see, and I guess it goes back to you feeling like things are starting to heat up a little bit, is you know we haven't heard that interest rates are, are going to go down um, or stay steady, but what we've heard is that you know they're not going to be as aggressive in raising them. Yep. So obviously, that's a good sign, a big flag for people to go, Let's pay attention. So let's do it. Uh, That's good. Let's let's pump everything. Why not? Let's do it now. Why wait? It just takes a certain Elon Musk Twitter pitch deck with a payments question mark. <laughs> you know that's. Uh, and and what does what does point. everyone go to when Elon tweets something? <laughs> uh, please, yeah. 
uh, certain doggy coin. I think it's called Doggy. Yeah, <laughs> like there. I guess just to touch on that one, it wasn't really something we were going to talk about. But um, yeah, Elon. They had a investors meeting or some sort of Twitter internal. I think it was a product meeting or something like that, right? Yep. They sort of talked about their strategic roadmap, and on the very last slide that Elon posted on Twitter, it said payments just blank. So I know we've talked about it in the past, Tommy and I. Like apparently, you know, there's a whole sort of Backstory about Elon Musk and PayPal, he kind of missed out on that. So, I mean, this is kind of bringing in that payments narrative for himself, which isn't probably what he cares about. But, you know, it's adding more utility to Twitter after, yeah, I mean, it's been scrutinized heavily since he's purchased it. But, I mean, if anything, I've seen more of my own friends and family and mates that work on Twitter than I ever have seen before. So, I mean, whatever he's doing, it's working. Yeah, that's it. I think especially here in Australia, Twitter's never really been a big thing unless you're uh, into the, you know, crypto or the NFT scene, but it's certainly gaining a popularity. I mean, that's the Elon effect. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's close ties to, to Dogecoin. That saw, I think that's up 22% from, as of today, from when yeah, right, that yeah. slide deck yeah. was posted. BNB coin got a little bit of a boost. Uh, as people may know, they also put in about 500 million into the purchase of Twitter. They did. They did. And then anytime there's been a rumor of a coin being linked to, you know, Twitter and being the, the potential, um, you know, coin of choice, um, that spiked and I want to back that up with the coin, but now I've completely forgotten. So that's, you know, that's the Elon effect in full force. That's good to see. Other than that, mate, we'll dive right in. So I know you had some news and some updates around some proposed legislation for crypto in the Europe. Yeah, let's start with the exciting stuff. We'll, we'll get to the father of DeFi Riveting. after. <laughs> yeah. No. So, I mean, off the back of our chat last time, we were talking about, you know, that regulation might be coming sooner. There's obviously going to be a lot more focus. And that, that certainly seems to be the case. So the MICA legislation that has been in the works for some time looked like it would be the first one to pass out of all the, you know, major governments around the world is now before parliament and they're just fine tuning the language. And this is going to be really significant the way they're classifying crypto assets. They're very specific, breaking them down into four categories, separating stable coins from assets to utility tokens. And all of that will then also have the rules and regulations around them for listing who can be a provider. But basically, it's like slotting it right into the existing financial you know, ecosystem and regulation and, and the oversight of it all, which is a really good thing, but it will obviously have some, you know, settling in periods. And I think initially they said there's that grace period of 18 months. So it'll probably, it would go into 2024, but now everyone's questioning, are they going to push that forward and make this happen sooner? So one thing to watch for. One other thing to note that I thought was very cheeky of them is their e-money token or stable coin, their consideration of a stable coin, they will only consider it if it's backed by EU currency. I guess you got to see that coming, right? (laughs) So I wonder how the US will take that. But I guess it makes sense, right? If they're going to oversee it and classify it themselves as a stable coin, it needs to be backed by EU currency. How that affects, you know, USDT, USDC and all the others yet to be seen, but they're obviously like, we're not going to consider anything else but euro back to stable coin, you know, within our regions. It's not a bad shot. I mean, all it does, it just helps dilute the market cap of just US-based stable coins only. Like, that's all you see right now, really, mm. dominating liquidity pools and pairs and et cetera. So, 
Yeah, that's interesting. That's yeah. it. So, Paz, I'm interested. Break that down. What does that do for your bullish sentiment? Um, get to the ladder. I don't know. Like it. Uh, I don't know. I think the one thing I, I think we did say this as well. Both the last time we caught up was that if anything is going to come out of this whole FTX saga, it's that it's the catalyst to really whip people into making something happen because all of a sudden most of the world got ripped off by what went down. So kind of makes sense to me that anything that was maybe just in a holding pattern, maybe it's just had a bit of a bit more time pen to paper and actually delivering. I think that would probably on the back of pressure from a couple of bodies and also probably hopefully a heap of people jumped up and down as well. I definitely will go away from this and read into this a little bit more because I feel like as long as it makes relative sense and it doesn't feel like a knee-jerk overreaction to what they you know, what, what it would look like to the industry as it sort of stands now. Like if it's supportive, I think that's good. Provides a bit of framework. Doesn't, yeah, it should definitely shape the way everyone does business. But at the end of the day, I mean, if it protects more consumers, creates more accountability, like what more could you want, really? I think that's creating it. It's coming back stronger. Like that, mm. that's what this whole process should be. It's all about coming back stronger from where we just were. So, yeah. And that's, that's what I'd agree with as well. I think what this speaks to is, you know, blockchain isn't going anywhere. Cryptocurrencies aren't going anywhere. The recognition is there and, you know, no one's keeping their head under the sand anymore. So this is for me, like really bullish for the technology. And I think uh, anyone who sticks around and, you know, watches the market and does their research on the companies behind the coins and the projects, there'll be no financial advice rewarded for it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And I think the other exciting bit too is like, you have countries like Australia, which are very much like, let's not be around it, nanny states, literally wait for either the European or US sort of policymakers to sort of make their decisions. And then we kind of adapt and copy and paste, which... You know, it is what it is, but, you know, it kind of then if someone else has done it, it created a precedent, it creates no excuses as to why we can't sort of follow suit as well and, you know, use that as something to sort of lean on because, you know, once you've got a policy enacted, you can measure how effective it is and then you can sort of create, you know, adaptations of that policy too. So I think overall it's... It's a good. It's a good step to round out the year. Really, a lot has happened. <laughs> um, so I think it's. A, I think it's a good way to wrap up if if that's kind of the direction it's going. That's it. Who thought we'd be so happy to, about regulation and government controls? Oh, mate, what are you talking about? It's all I've been talking. It's all we've been talking about. Every time we catch up, that's all we ever talk about. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to give us a nice outro into <laughs> like the music. <laughs> Speaking of other news, the father of DeFi, Andre Cronier, best known for his work on SushiSwap, Yearn Finance, Cream, and also being a, a real, I guess, advocate and early adopter of the Phantom ecosystem and helping develop and build that from scratch, along with a couple of other key people. Uh, really saying that DeFi has been what saved Phantom. So Andre was well known for walking away from the whole space back in March. Very timely, basically at the point of Max before the market's completely capitulated. So he's come out basically saying how cash flow positive the Phantom, I guess, projects have been uh, in a recent sort of interview. For those that don't know, Phantom or FTM is a layer one blockchain uh, compatible with Ethereum virtual machines. So it's basically really competing in that same space as Solana, Avalanche, Polygon, probably less so Polygon. It's a, bit, a little bit different, but it's pretty much the same. Just to sort of fight for that market dominance with Ethereum. So the big difference between them and what Ethereum does, uh, it is able to process transactions much faster because of the way it works. It's a bit more unique. And what the consumer gets there is much cheaper transaction fees. And what they're basically trying to prove is that it is as safe as the Ethereum ecosystem as well. So, you know, they've come out sharing that the the Phantom team maintains more than 300 million in assets, but they're not really specifying how much of that is currently liquid. They're really just talking about now scaling up, which, you know, 
if we go back to the last uh, sort of bear cycle and leading into the bull run, Phantom, along with Solana, they were sort of fighting it out and jousting for the highest ROI on return out of those two assets. So, I mean, they've been here before. They've done it before. They were actually built, I'm pretty sure, in the bear market as well. So basically, just clouding on the fact they've yeah got the funds to back themselves. And I know from a fact, there's an interview that we did with Michael Kong a little while ago. They're very focused on supporting their developer ecosystem and actually providing a fair bit of funding during this whole sort of phase to sort of help propagate the next next breed of dApps and sort of solutions for the next cycle. So they're very excited. And I did hear also that FTM has come out and they're going to be compatible with a lot of the, the ZK, the zero knowledge rollups, which they're definitely looking to be a very big theme coming into the next bull run and one to definitely watch. So if you don't know much about zero knowledge rollups, definitely encourage just jumping onto the SwiftX Learn platform and learning about it. But if I had to sum it up in a nutshell, it's basically, you know, if you were to ever go to a bottle shop and buy alcohol, you'd have to take your passport with something like a zero knowledge ecosystem because you hold a certain token, you don't have to prove anything. The tokens already verify that you are who you say you are. Therefore, you don't have to provide PI to other third parties, essentially. So it kind of limits sort of identity exposure and things like that as well, while still creating a trust, I guess, a trust ecosystem. So I think it's quite exciting to see someone like him sort of come back into the fray, being how decorated he has been. We've seen Yearn Finance have a bit of a pump, I guess, in the last two weeks as well. And yeah, a bit of positive price action from FTM, the Phantom Network as well coming in. So still a struggling ecosystem like anyone else's at the moment. They've lost quite a bit of total value compared to where they have been. But I mean, who hasn't after the massive retracement we've seen in the markets? A lot of the money just taken off into the sidelines. But I mean, this is definitely one I'll be watching uh, quite quite hawkishly. So Yeah, I'd agree. I think the market responding positively is a sign, right? Like for a, mm. a whole chain to say we're cash flow positive and we're generating revenue that's generating interest. And I mean, obviously that means they're here and they're sticking around. We hope we like to hear. None, none of this run off to the Bahamas business. I'm sick of hearing about that. So No, no. Why would you, why would you want to go there when you have lovely, well, in our place, Australia? Exactly. Other than that, mate, I think the other key one to just round off is a little bit more of this contagion talk. So I know there's been some recent developments from the BlockFi space, namely Chapter 11, sort of enrollment. What can you tell us there? Yeah, that, that's all within the last 24 hours. I think I think everyone thought BlockFi was kind of already wrapped up in the FTX drama, but it wasn't until like, I think 13, 14 hours ago that they officially filed their bankruptcy claims. So really what that has done is just confirmed what we all thought to be true, but it's also given us some insights into the cash position. The market hasn't responded either up or down to that, which I thought was interesting. Really neutral. Really neutral, yeah. But one of the one of the insights uh, which we mentioned earlier was that they had sold 240 million worth of assets into the market to shore up their cash position. That doesn't look like that had much of an impact, you know, signaling some positive buying pressure. But I guess we're we're yet to really see this pan out. There's some big creditors there one in particular who looks like they bought previous debt from someone else at around 726 million worth. So we'll see what they get. And interestingly, the SEC, which fined BlockFi way back for 100 million for some of their like crypto card things not being classified properly is still owed 30 million sitting there on the uh Jeez. on the side so look it's i mean it, it's there's not much more to say really than that mm. at the moment but um yeah. you know another one bites the dust we'll see how that pans out yeah 
I'll see what the next one is, if there is going to be one. I guess just to move into market movies, there hasn't really been any key themes that we've seen other than probably what we talked about last week, Binance creating a recovery, almost sort of savior package for some blockchain projects that have been affected by the whole FTX fallout. Alameda Research notably invested in a gargantuan amount of different projects. So one theme I was able to pick apart from what's moved in the last seven days has been Ren. So Ren, their virtual machine software company that basically wraps Bitcoin, wraps Ethereum, that kind of stuff, just for DeFi usage. They tanked hard. And basically, as soon as Binance came out saying that they'd be providing a recovery fund for them, I think their assets shot up somewhere around 150%. And currently, it's sitting about 50% up at the time of recording. So other than that, the only other notable things I've been able to see as a somewhat of a theme is assets that are currently or previous been through the Binance launchpad. There seems to be a bit of a Binance-centric theme, which may or may not come as a surprise. So uh, VitDAO, V-I-D-T, currently up about 125% on the seven daily, but got much, much higher. Even today, RIF, RSK infrastructure framework is up 115%. So we're still talking ultra low caps, just doing, unfortunately, what ultra low caps do quite well. They accumulate and go sideways horizontally and then just go completely vertical. So all I would sort of say is everyone sort of applies a bit of Really good prudent risk management. Uh, you know, these are the times where it looks like it's very tempting to FOMO, but you find slippage is a massive issue in a bear market. There's not as many buyers and sellers as what you're expecting, and you just get completely caught out sometimes. And position size, you'd be f- surprised how quickly price can dip and, you know, those percentages get turned into double figures. So that's just a, probably a common theme we're probably going to see if Bitcoin continues to consolidate or even if it starts to run, unless everything starts to tank. I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see that activity sort of go forward. Yeah, I'd agree. I think historically, when when Bitcoin runs, the, the lead up to that is you see a lot of the altcoins sell. Bitcoin yep, goes at a run. Right. Generally, it's moved to Ethereum and then the price kind of steadies and it goes back to altcoins. So at the moment, if altcoins are getting a lot of interest, you know, it's positive for projects, you know, that are that are going to be doing good things but yeah you could probably take it as a leading indicator that when there's some sell-offs happening in this space bitcoin's going to be the following one to get some interest yeah that's definitely what's happened we've seen that pretty concurrently so um 100 something to keep an eye on in terms of other things happening in the market the only really other thing i could sort of find that is on its way theta mainnet they have their 4.0 mainnet launch on the first of december so potentially a bit of a news catalyst one to do your own research on and sort of keep up with potentially looking at a few of the technicals it is sort of sitting on some nice sort of support there on the horizontals but again doesn't really matter where the candles are if price starts falling apart so you just need to be prudent again with your risk management there but that's something that we've seen uh, along with chilies so chilies most importantly if you've been following the circle world cup i know i only know on the surface level what chilies is, is doing i know chris you've been following a bit more but um i'll just wrap up and say that they've got their mainnet 2.0 launching at the end of this month which is definitely something again you know it all seems very well timed with the soccer world cup and them being quite present there um one of the most partnered projects out there so a lot of interest in those soccer world cup tokens yeah and they've been doing quite well haven't they or they just kind of meandering well in in comparison Yeah, yeah i mean it's uh like Spain, the Spain token like popped up like eight times after their win. Argentina's right. token dropped 30% after the first goal was scored against them by Saudi Arabia. So, you know, lots of price action for the punters at home. But the fact that they're, yeah, one of the most partnered projects out there and they're upgrading their main app should be a good one to watch. Yeah, nice. I guess that's a wrap, mate. Thanks so much for joining me. 
Yeah, there's been a sideways, lukewarm week, but I feel like there's been enough happening to get excited about. So definitely. It's been some, it's been some good sharing. Mm. Been a good show and tell today, I feel. Lots of stuff to put on the watch list, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But guys, thanks for listening. Give us a like, give us a follow on Instagram and like, you know, get in touch with any questions that you're sort of seeing or be concerned about. I know right now it's a lot of people still confused as to what's happening. So if there's anything that you'd like us to cover, especially leading into the end of the year, just do let us know. But other than that, Thanks for catching up and thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.